Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. We are a community of people learning the way of Jesus to bless our city of Boise, Idaho, and beyond. Redemption Hill is a unique place. We are a collective of micro churches that do life together throughout the week and gather on Sundays to grow, worship, and celebrate what God is doing in our city. You are invited to join us Sundays at 9 a.m. at Discovery Church in Boise, where you can find the community you need in any season of your life. More details can be found at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the teaching segment from this week's Sunday Gathering. Afterwards, stay tuned for more information on how to get connected at Redemption Hill. So good to see everyone. Uh, My name is Cindy Shively. I'm one of the elders here at Redemption Hill. And just delighted to be with you. We've really been enjoying this series on prayer. I I hope you guys have been enjoying it and not just, I hope it's also been helpful because we really, as, as Robert was saying, really want to help people know how do we just be with God? How do we uh, learn to love him more and let him love us? And that's really our, our hope, you know, and we've been hearing a lot of really fascinating things. You know, Robert started with the idea of really wanting us to experience God as a loving father, you know, that that's really the starting place that we, we and we'll be talking a little bit more about that even today, but he's one who's always near us, like the very air that we breathe and that just surrounds us and fills us and gives us life. Then Matt talked about how God is eager to provide for us and he wants us to ask and seek and knock. And that whole idea of petition, when we ask God for things on, on our own behalf. He talked about the, the story of the prodigal son, but really in the sense of how the father the loving father talked to his the older brother and just said, all that I have is yours. And that's really what God is saying to us. And then Bob talked about intercession. Intercession is praying on behalf of other people or for the world. Uh, and he talked about praying enough to care. And he used to talk about the widow who was just desperate for justice and was willing to take that risk of of asking, even maybe of, of that risk of being disappointed. And so we, we saw also about how intercession is about praying enough to allow God to change us, to, to transform us, to make us more like Christ. And, and in that process, we to partner together with God and, and are able to make a difference in the world. You know, Blaise Pascal, there's, I think there's a, maybe a, a slide about him. He was a 17th century mathematician, physicist, an inventor, just this brilliant guy, a philosopher and writer. And here's what he said. Why has God instituted prayer? To communicate to his creatures, that's us, the dignity of causality. In other words, God has designed it so that we, through our prayer, get to make a difference in our life, in the lives of others, in our world. He invites us to change things through prayer, to unleash somehow God's love and God's power into our lives, into this world. And then another guy, Walter Wink, put it this way. He said, history belongs to the intercessors, to those who believe and pray the future into being. 
the future's not totally written yet. We know the end of the story, but how we get there isn't totally written. And we get to participate with God in, in how things go. You know, last week, Robert talked about unanswered prayer and how we trust God and his goodness and his faithfulness, even in the middle of disappointment and grief and loss. We were reminded to be persistent in prayer, to remember that we're in battle. And in a couple weeks, uh, Jesse's going to tell us more about how we kind of the spiritual warfare prayer, how we, what's, what's that all about? Uh, and then also to learn to listen to God's will in our lives. And next week, Kyle's going to be teaching us more about listening prayer. How, what does that look like to listen to God? And just an aside about this whole prayer series, what we don't want is to feel like you're just we're piling on all this more shoulds or things that, oh man, I, I got to be doing more or praying more or figuring this out. I mean, it's it's really not about that. It's not a transactional thing where, man, if I just pray more or pray right or do it, that somehow God's going to bless me or answer my prayers or that. that, that Prayer is not really so much about getting things as it is about just being in relationship with God. Just like when you're in a relationship with a friend or a spouse, it's not always, you don't just talk or you don't just communicate so you can get stuff from this person. You want to just love this person, learn how to love each other together. And that's, that's really what prayer is all about. And, and so hopefully what we've been giving you are just some, some ways of experimenting or hopefully experiencing uh, how, how we grow in our love for God, in our love for Jesus. So today we're going to look at a type of prayer called contemplation. And it, it's kind of a, an interesting word, but really uh, it's the part of the Lord's Prayer, you know, we've been looking at that too, where it's like, kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, where we're really inviting heaven to come down to earth and really in, try, wanting, longing to just pursue this divine, this holy friendship with God. You know, what does friendship with God really look like? And it's an area I've been seeking to grow in my life because I haven't really been that good at it. And so it's been really fun to experiment and try to do some new things and, 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 and see the value in that. So today we're going to explore three things. What, one, what is contemplative prayer? Two, why, why does it matter? Why is it important? Um, and then three, how do we do it? So to start with, what is contemplation? Well, there's a, from the New Oxford American Dictionary, contemplation is the action of looking thoughtfully at something for a long time, just for a period of time. Okay? It's deep, reflective thought, just kind of mowing things up, thinking about things. Uh, Pete Gregg, who is a writer and kind of the co-founder of 24-7 Prayer Movement, he's the one who wrote this prayer course, which we are using as our outline for this series. He defines, he says, contemplative prayer is the silent enjoyment of God's loving presence. Let that sink in, the silent enjoyment of God's loving presence. And Teresa of Avila, who is a 16th century Spanish nun, in her book called The Interior Castle, describes contemplation as an intimate sharing between friends. An intimate sharing between friends. And then Richard Foster, in his book on prayer, describes it as a loving attentiveness to God. 
in which talk kind of recedes to the background and feeling comes to the foreground. So it's more experiential. Pete Gregg kind of says all these different definitions. There's three things they have in common. One is that it's consumed with God's love. It's all about God's love. It's not, oh, I'm going to contemplate and let God tell me what's wrong with me. That's not contemplation. It's always about God's love. Second, it's mostly quiet, sometimes just not even words, uh, but just um, meditating on Jesus, on God's word, and enjoying his presence. And third, it's experiential rather than logical. It's not just having to think the right things, but letting yourself actually feel. You know, our feelings are a gift from God, and he, he wants to meet us there as well. Now, some people are concerned when, it, when we think about contemplative prayer, meditation, that how, how do I know that's not going to lead me astray? I, you know, I'll start thinking about some weird thing or all this sort of thing. And, and we, in a sense, we do need to be discerning. We, you know, we need to stay biblical. We need to stay focused on Jesus. Uh, and yet the Bible itself tells us to meditate. You know, that meditation just also is really, it's really another word for contemplation. It means to, to think deeply and carefully about something. You know, it, it's a, a deep uh, sort of contemplative way of, of looking at, you know, God's word or an aspect of God that to improve our understanding about God, but also to be open to how we let God's word and God's truth transform us or change us, make us more like. So unlike Eastern transcendental meditation, which the goal of that is to sort of empty your mind and kind of into nothingness, the purpose of Christian meditation is to fill your mind with Jesus, with the spirit, with, with, with the goodness and beauty and truth of God. King David described, he was described as a man after God's own heart. And in the very first Psalm, he says, blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night because there's that meditation that contemplation they're like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season so there's that that it's it helps us actually transforms us their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do if we want to bear fruit there's there's somehow we need to spend some time in meditation just becoming more aware of, of god's love his presence with Psalm 19 describes how nature can help us meditate. It said, and this is what uh, Robert was reading earlier, the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak, night after night they make him known. They speak without a, a word or a sound, their voice is never heard, and yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. You know, how many times have you just seen something incredibly beautiful or unique in, in nature, and you're just like, wow, there is a God. It, there has to be a God. It wouldn't be this beautiful or this, this amazing. And a few verses later in verse 14, David says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, that wow, that God, there is a God. God is good. May that be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And then in Psalm 62, verse 1, David declares, and this is in the New Living Translation, he says, I wait quietly before God. 
I also like the, the NIV, which says, truly my soul finds rest in God. You know, David really knew, and they, they seem kind of different, but really there's really this sense of waiting and resting and just being in God's presence. And David knew that was vital to his soul, the very depth of his being. And then the Lord himself invites us in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Be still. You know, being still is simply, you know, quieting our minds, sometimes setting aside some of those distractions and being in God's presence. And when we think about who God is, God at his very essence, he says God is love. And so contemplation is somehow immersing ourselves in God's love, in his perfect love and acceptance. And then Pete Gregg also says about Jesus, he says, think about Jesus, those long nights that he spent in prayer, I don't think he was probably talking all night long. <laughs> you can't just, nobody can do that. So they probably was filled with just some time spent in silence, meditate, listening to God, just being with God, just enjoying his loving presence. In other words, Jesus must have prayed contemplatively, like what we're talking about. So contemplative prayer, again, is just simply the, the silent enjoyment of God's loving presence. So that's what contemplation is. It's not, it's not too scary. It's just this safe, loving place. Okay, so why does it matter? Why, why is contemplation important? Well, the reality is until we know and experience God's love for us, nothing can really truly be right in our soul. We were created to be loved, loved, and until we experience that, we're, we're, not, we're not really, we can't experience peace. You know, Tyler Statton, who's a, a pastor in, over in Portland and a writer, he's the 24-7 director in the United States of that 24-7 prayer movement. And in a book that Matt mentioned a few weeks ago called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, here's what, what Tyler claims. He says, the number one obstacle the modern person faces when it comes to prayer is an inability to receive the love of God. An inability to receive the love of God. We struggle to believe in a God as powerful, as good and knowable and loving as the one that Jesus introduces us to in the Bible. You know, we know that God is love. We buy that intellectually. I mean, that, nobody would, probably in this room would argue that God is love. But at a deeper level, Somewhere kind of in the depth of our being, in our emotions, in our bones, we may not trust it. Does God really love us? You know, a couple of weeks ago when Bob was talking about inter intercession, he said sometimes we don't pray because deep down we have a fear that God isn't really paying attention, that he's not really listening. Maybe he doesn't even care. So the truth is, that what we believe about God, not just in our heads, but in our hearts and our souls, is absolutely essential to whether or not we pray. You know, Jesus knows that it's so important for us to have just a healthy, right, truthful view of God. And it's really why he started out the Lord's Prayer with our Father. And it's that Abba, that Daddy, that intimate, loving relationship. He wants us to remember that we are completely and uniquely loved, and all of us 
all of the time need to be reminded that we are loved. In fact, none of us can really genuinely love God or others until we've experienced God's love for ourselves. And if 1 John 4.19 says this explicitly, we love because he, God, first loved us. So somehow that, that receiving that love is so vital to being who God has created us to be. And that's, that's one aspect that contemplation is good for. The second reason that contemplation matters is it really is vital for our transformation. And, and transformation is just the, the, as we become more and more like Jesus, more, more just naturally the, the a naturally loving person, that we don't have to try really hard to love or be nice or tell the truth. Or, it just, it, it's who we are. It's who we've become. Strawn Coleman, in his book called Beholding, describes this sad reality that a lot of people have left churches because they don't experience leaders or even sometimes the other fellow churchgoers as people that are really loving. They might be gifted or good communicators or you know all these other things, but they're not loving. They're not peaceful. They're not joyful. They're not kind. They're not humble. They're not like Jesus. They haven't been transformed. And, and he really believes that this lack of transformation and becoming like Christ is often due to our lack of contemplative prayer. Yeah, and he uses the metaphor of a river, which I, I think is helpful here. He says it's that, that true love is a river that flows downstream from God to us. Okay, So God is it's like God's love is like this river. And, and we want to be a part of that. And he said, we sometimes we're canoeing and sometimes we're floating in this river. Now, if we're canoeing, that would be things like petition or intercession or praise or confession or you know, things that, that take some effort that we're, we have to work at a little bit. We take a little arm work. And, and uh, when Norm and I were talking about this the other day, he said it, it might also be like building a dam or a diversion where you're actually enabling the flow of God's love to go in a different direction, to, you know, in another area, bring life where it's maybe been barren. So there's that, and that's an important part of prayer. But there's this other part of prayer that's floating. And it's a more like, you know, the, the lazy river where you're in a tube and hanging out and just kind of at the mercy of the, the, the eddies and the flow of this river. But it's kind of becoming one with the river in, in the sense of becoming one with, with God and his love. And, and, and it's sort of a mystery, but it, it takes some floating. And the reality is to really have that kind of loving relationship that God has designed for us, we need both. We need, you know, the, the canoeing, the, the, the prayers that are, you know, we think are opening God's hands and unleashing his power and his love. But we also need that floating. Jesus called it abiding. You know, just remaining, being with, with God and in God's word. So we need both of those. And, you know, what's interesting in our society is we're such a consumer-driven accomplishment of society that we tend to be a little, it tends to be, most of us are kind of like the, the doing part, you know, the paddling, the thinking that I'm getting something done, accomplishing something, rather than just the being. We sometimes find that difficult. Now, some people find it easy. But a lot of us find the, the being sort of there, almost like, man, is this, how can I do this? There's so many things I have to do, but my mind won't slow down, whatever it might be. Uh, 
But if, you know, if we tend to just try to do a lot of things for God without having some of that floating time, that just being with him, it's really easy to get kind of burned out or disillusioned and just kind of feel like, man, there's no joy in this. There's, there's no love in this. It's just me working hard. It's kind of like having God as, as a boss where, you know, you're the slave, he's the master, you just have to go do what he says, whether you like it or not, versus your loving father, your, your treasured friend. And that's the kind of relationship he wants to have. And that's really the, the third point of, of why we contemplation is important, is it's, it's how we nurture our friendship with God. You know, if you remember that the purpose of why God even came to heaven in the, purpose of, in the person of Jesus was to restore our relationship with this loving God. You know, even, even forgiveness is so that that relationship can be restored. The, the truth is, God loves you. He likes you. He wants to spend time with you. He delights in you. He's not looking for what you're doing or not doing or any of that. He just wants to love you and be with you. The prayer is not a duty that we have to perform to somehow make God happy with us or to try to get what we want. It really is just that divine friendship. Jesus says in John 15 to his followers and to us, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. You know, God offers us friendship. We don't have to earn God's approval. And we, I just want you to hear this truth and kind of let it sink in deeply. That when we receive the love and forgiveness that Jesus alone offers, we become friends with God. We're able to live life with God, to learn it and to experience his love, a love that actually transforms us from the inside out. So that, that's kind of what contemplation is and why it's important. Well, how do we do it? You know, what, what does contemplative prayer look like in our everyday, ordinary lives? You know, we're out, lots of us are busy and got lots of things going on. How do I... What does that look like? How do I make that happen? So, again, contemplative prayer is just opening ourselves up to accepting God's love, to welcome God's love into our being, and in a sense to allow God to truly just behold us, to be objects of his affection, and to let that transform us. So the question isn't merely, does God love me? But will I allow the truth of God's love to become a reality in my life? Will I really open myself up to receiving the, the love that, that God has for me? Now, Strong uh, Coleman also describes contemplative prayer in his book, Beholding, as beholding prayer. And it's just this idea that God, is, it's kind of like two lovers. When you're, when you're brand new and in love and you're sitting there kind of gazing into each other's eyes and but, but the reason that you do that is there's sort of this awe that oh, this person likes me, you know, and I like this person. And, and there's just, you can just sit for hours looking at each other. You don't even have to say anything. It's just being in each other's presence. And, and I noticed the other day, um, one of our granddaughters, Annie, FaceTimed me. And as soon as, she's four years old, she was sitting with Norm here a minute ago. And as soon as the, the picture came on, I was just like, Annie, and she's gaga. And we just were like in this moment of delight and wonder. And it wasn't like trying to, we didn't have to do anything. It was just being there. And, 
and experiencing that, that love and acceptance and joy and delight in one another. And that's exactly what God wants us to do with him. You know, that we just kind of sit, oh, wow, you know, Lord, I want to just behold you and amaze you as you're beholding me and you delight in me, which is sometimes amazing to me, but I want to be amazed by you, you know, and so this sort of just becomes this kind of neat opportunity to just be in each other's presence. And that's really what that beholding is about. You know, sometimes we think, well, gosh, I don't really know how to meditate or contemplate. What does that even look like? And here's, here's a question for you. How many of you have ever worried about anything? You ever worried about something? Did you know if you can worry, worry is what? Just thinking about something that, you're, that might happen. It most time doesn't even happen, but we worry about, oh, gosh, what if this happens or they say this or that or, you know, I forget all that. It's kind of worrying about negative stuff that could happen. That's what worry is. Meditation is kind of the opposite. It's sort of thinking like we do with we worry, kind of thinking over and over something, but about the good, about what God is doing and what Jesus is doing and how he might be involved in, in this situation or in this relationship or in, in that sort of thing. And so like with scripture, we can meditate on scripture by putting ourselves in a story and thinking, man, what would I, which person would I have been in this story? You know, what would Jesus be saying to me? Um, or if you're, there's a circumstance that you're concerned about or a relationship, you, you can just, in your imagination, imagine Jesus being right there in that circumstance that maybe is coming up. And, it, and the reality is he is, because he says he promises to be with us always. So if, even though you're using your imagination, you're not, it's not a false thing. It's a true thing that God really is there. And what is he doing there? What does he want to bring to that place? What does he want you to know about that place? You know, that, that's, so that's kind of what meditation can be in the more positive sense of how can God bring good out of even this, this painful place. Most often, contemplative prayer does involve some intentionality. You know, it's, it's pretty rare. Occasionally, it'll just happen. Uh, you know, you see something beautiful in nature or whatever, and you're just sort of, oh, you take that moment. But most of the time, it takes setting aside a little specific time. Uh, and that can be really challenging because Contemplative prayer, unlike praying for things and petition and intercession, all that, it feels like we're not really doing it. You know, we're just sort of hanging out. And some of us aren't very good at that. I, I'm not very good at that, you know, just sitting still. Or, you know, I want to be doing something. Um, and, you know, John Ortberg, who's an author and was a pastor, just says it feels like an enormous waste of time, this contemplative prayer does, you know, and... And, and so, you know, it's, I think that's one reason why it's good to start small. Um, you know, it might, you know, some people try to do it for, well, I'm going to set aside an hour or a day or go on a prayer retreat, a silent prayer retreat or something. It's like, that, that feels for most of us like, ah, well, what would I do in that? But I can do a few minutes, you know, and, and there's, there's lots of different ways we can do this. So, you know, if it's hard for you to just sit and imagine being with Jesus, you can go for a walk. Maybe not a speed walk, but just a kind of a relaxed walk where you just kind of, hey, I want to walk with you, Lord, and just kind of immerse myself in your presence and notice the world or, you know, those kinds of things, notice your goodness. Or I have a friend who likes to have her first cup of coffee in the morning with Jesus. And she just doesn't bring, open the Bible, notebook, anything, just a cup of coffee and just hanging out with Jesus. Just being still in his presence. It takes some practice. You know, most of us have minds that wander. That's my thing. If I try to slow down and be still, 
all those things come to mind of, oh, shoot, I forgot to do this, or Ooh, I need to call that person. Or, so I'd like to have either a little piece of paper, if I don't have paper, I just write a note on my phone and just say, okay, I'll kind of look at those things later. Now I can come back to just hanging out with Jesus here. Um, and you don't have to beat yourself up. I mean, that's the way our minds work, but just kind of gently come back to being with Jesus. You know, if you're a parent of young children, you know, I just admit, man, when you have young kids, your time is not really your own. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's pretty much your kids, and especially if they wake up before you and stay up late and all those things. So, so but even in that, you might, you know, maybe when you're feeding a kid or reading a story to a kid, you can just imagine, well, you know, God's here with us, just holding us, nurturing us, caring for us, just and, and even teaching your kids to become more aware of God's presence in that way can be really neat. Sometimes people like to use music to help them focus. Uh, sometimes people like to use this little exercise where they imagine themselves in a room with Jesus, and then they say, Jesus, who do you want to bring into this room? And see who comes in, in your imagination. And what do you want me to know about this person? Or is there some way that you're praying for them? Or you want me to be praying for them? That, then it kind of, so contemplation can kind of weave in and out with intercession or some of those other kinds of prayer too. It doesn't have to just be strict contemplation. Um, but it, it's just, it's fun. And you know, and one of the things we, we heard for the very first week, and hopefully you're trying to keep that mantra going of keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up and because of that I, I decided I'm going to try in these last few weeks a little exercise that is simple what I did was I just I put I figured out how to make a, an alarm come up at the same time every day on my phone kind of midday and, and I labeled it it just says rest in God's love and so wherever I am this alarm goes off and I just can pause, and so if I'm with somebody, sometimes I'll just kind of do what they call a breath prayer, where you sort of just breathe in God's love, His peace, His joy, breathe out any stress or concerns, that sort of thing. Or if I'm by myself, I'd try like this one, and we're going to try it a little bit later, just palms up, palms down, palms up, where you start out with your palms up, and you're like, okay, what am I trying to hang on to here? What am I concerned about? What's on my mind? What all those kind of things? And just kind of talk those talk those over with God briefly, and then kind of when I'm ready, it's like okay, calms down. I don't really have control over this stuff anyway. I'm gonna give this to you, Lord. And then once once I feel like I've released all that, then I can turn my palms back up. It's like okay, Lord, what do you have for me instead? You know, just receive that love, that peace, that joy, whatever it is that I need, that God knows that I need. And the funny thing was, so I was getting my nails done the other day, and my alarm went off. <laughs> I forgot it was going to go off. And, of course, I'm right in the middle of this painting thing, so it's like I can't even turn it off for a while, so it's going on for a while. And the gal's like, well, what's that for, you know? <laughs> and so I explained it to her, and she said, well, that's really interesting, because when you come in here, I just feel like you are a really peaceful presence. I don't know what it is. And she, she's not really a believer, but... Uh, and she, and she said, well, why is it? Why are you so peaceful? You know, what's your secret? And so, so I got to, to explain, well, it's, I just said, it's Jesus, basically, you know, and it kind of explained what I was doing with this little exercise. And she said, that's fascinating. So, and, and what I realized is that it really, from her thing, what she said, but even just my, my own being, I've sensed even just in the last couple of weeks of doing this exercise, I think I've been more peaceful about things. And even as things come up, I realize, okay, I don't have to take 
I don't have to take this on. I don't have to be overly responsible or whatever it is. I can just let God have it. And and, to, and that is a form of contemplative prayer. You know, that, and that's a doable form that you know, almost any of us can do, it, you know, even if you don't want to set an alarm. But it, somehow, if you're like me, I, I have to have something that interrupts my day. Otherwise, I don't, it's easy not to think about it and get busy and, and don't do it. So that, that's been a fun, easy thing to do. The last thing I wanted to just remind you of is that there's a woman named Julian of Norwich. And she was born in England in 1343. At age 30, she caught this deadly virus. And they called in the priest to do the last rites, which is kind of this final prayer they do before a person dies. But instead of dying, she actually received a, a series of 16 visions uh, about Jesus. And a lot of them were about the cross. I was thinking of that song we were singing earlier, you know, take me to the cross. And, uh, and so for the next, and when she was completely healed. So for the next 20 years, she really spent just time meditating and you know, contemplating on well, who is God and who is Jesus and his love. And, and, and she actually became the first woman to publish a book in the English language. And her writing is just full of God's all-encompassing love. And the quote for which she's probably the best known and probably because T.S. Eliot used it in a poem, but also because Wonder School teaches it to your preschoolers. So if you forget it, just ask a preschooler. It just says this, All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. And it's really just the exact message of love that, and, and the message of Jesus that we want to meditate on, to receive, to really let the truth of God's goodness come into our being. So we're gonna, I'm going to invite Malia up just to play a little background music because we've been trying some exercises here. And we're just going to take a, really a few minutes. Our, our hope is to immerse ourselves in God's love. And reminding ourselves, you know, that... The question isn't, does God love me, but will I allow myself to receive that love? And I'll be guiding us through this time. Sometimes contemplative prayers, you just you and Jesus and no guidance, just hanging out. But I think it's easier to start with a little bit of guidance. So we'll, we'll do a little bit. So get comfortable. Take a few deep breaths. Just as you breathe in, just invite God's love. And acceptance. As you breathe out, just let him have any worries or anxieties. As you breathe in, just invite God's joy, that pervasive sense of well-being. All will be well. All shall be well. Breathe out any disappointments or hurts. And if you happen to have any false beliefs that somehow you're a disappointment to God or that you're not enough or that you're not doing enough or God's not enough, would you just ask God to help you let go of those? Those are lies. Just relax in God's deep love for you. Invite that love into just every inch of your heart and mind and soul, that God's love fill your soul. 
but being still and know that God is God, that God is love. Just let that truth of God's love just fill you. Just take a moment of silence here, resting in his love. Now I'm going to guide you through that palms up, palms down thing. And if you're willing, just hold your palms up. And just ask yourself, is there anything that I've been trying to control, hang on to, worrying about, trying to fix, be a situation, a relationship, a health concern, a decision I have to make, something in the future? Just be honest with God about what's what's on your heart. Take a moment. And when you're ready, just go ahead and turn your palms down releasing it all to God. The need to control, most of the time things aren't in our control anyway. Any stress, unanswered prayer, disappointments, worries, whatever it is, just release it all into God's loving, powerful care. Let it all go. When you let it go, then you can return to your palms up and receive God's love, God's peace, God's joy, just a relaxation. You know, God is a God of exchanges. He gives new life for old. He gives beauty for ashes. He gives joy for mourning. He gives praise for heaviness and despair. Let's take a moment and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to give me in exchange for what I've just released to you? See what comes to mind. might also want to ask God if there's anything else that God wants you to know about the situation or whatever it is that you have just released to him. This time I'd like to invite the rest of worship team to come back up. I'm going to close this in prayer. Lord, thank you for being a God of love. You delight in us. This is grandparents' delight and grandchild. Thank you that you made each one of us. We are your unique and treasured creation. 
You delight in us. Call us friends. You want to do life with us. You transform us from the inside out. Lord, would you help us even now to plan, just bring to mind a, a little way to somehow keep ourselves immersed in your love. It's through Jesus, the great lover of our souls, we pray. Amen. As we think about communion, communion in some ways is, is a form of contemplative prayer. It's immersing ourselves in God's love, reminding ourselves. You know, when he first initiated this and it, on the night before he was betrayed and killed, he took bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body given for you. Whenever you eat this bread, do so remembering me. You need to be reminded of that love. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is like my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin so that we can be restored in that loving relationship with our Father. So whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do so remembering Christ's death, his love, until he comes again. As we sing, we're going to come forward, and I want you to grab your your juice and your bread and and take it back to your seat. And then when when everybody has it, then we'll take the bread together, and then we'll do the the cup individually. So come to the table, all in one. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org slash connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at Redemption Boise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.